in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hey, everyone. Welcome uh, to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost. And uh, hello to every patron that has joined us. Yeah, We appreciate you guys jumping on, getting that chat lively. We will be checking in with you guys uh, at some point within the show, but hope yeah. you're all doing well. Um, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> Listen I'm not you. sure what you want to uh, <laughs> chit-chat about. <laughs> well, let's just say hi. Josh Sachs in here, James in here, Drew Enns, Matthew Simmons. Uh, uh, thank you all so much, as Matt said, and of course, more will be joining. Uh, remember, this is for the $10 and above patrons they get to do it. They get to listen to it for, of course, it's for everybody, but y'all get to uh, know the topic. Y'all get to get the uh, uh, the show, get to hear the show or watch the show first. It's a lot of fun for you all. So please encourage your other patrons who are maybe at the uh, ten uh, the, below the $10 level to jump up here uh, and be a part of this as well as a perk. Uh, yeah. How are you feeling? It is a beautiful day. It's nice out. I was out mm-hmm. running errands all morning and uh, it, you know, it felt, it feels like we're turning that corner People are already starting to dread going back to work. People are being weird about, like, is it time? Are they ready yet? How do you feel? What do you sense in the streets, Matt? You've been out in the streets. What's the vibe? What's the feeling? I have not been out in the streets. I sit at home. (laughs) So I don't know what the general consensus is amongst the gen pop. (laughs) I'm seeing a friend of mine for the first time in like six months. Oh, well, he's coming over to pick up something. So that's it. Oh, okay. Okay. Literally. It's, it's been a while. (laughs) Yeah. He's a, uh, uh, I have uh, some ski clothes that I have oh, got from someone else, and he nice. can use them. And I'm like, it was just a bridge between. Nice. Uh, yeah, I also got a pair of skis. If you want a pair of skis, <laughs> no, I'm. Good. Um, yeah, I'm just Latino, a, I don't ski. There are Latinos on the slopes. I don't, I've never seen one. I think you're lying. <laughs> okay, how many times have you been skiing? That's the that answers the question right there. Yeah, that's we, for we you. Don't go. That's skiing. a thing. By that logic, every white person skis because mm-hmm. I ski. Okay. I think they do. I think they're I, capable of skiing. I can name 25 of my family that do not, that do not care for it in the slightest. Not every white person can play soccer, but every Latino can play soccer. So there's there, those are those things that I'm trying to put, put out there. Matt uh, yeah, I don't. The man of the streets there. Everybody knows. I, don't, I don't believe that to be true in the slightest. <laughs> I, they're... There's definitely uncoordinated Latinos, just like there are uncoordinated every individuals. How dare you? Uh, Yeah, well, it happens. It happens. We get one thing. Let us have one thing. Uh, (laughs) That's got a lot of things. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't go skiing. Uh, It's never been something that's been of interest in me, but I've never seen a Spanish country win one damn medal at a Winter Olympics. So I've been saying this for years, and it's, it's never proven wrong. So it's it's not really our proclivity to ski. And now Matt's going to look it up on Google. Go I ahead. am. Well, go ahead. Look it up. Do me a favor. Look it up. If any, it might be Spain, but I'd really doubt it. That's who I'm looking at. It's the first thing I <laughs> the looked mother up. Country, the mother country. Okay. Uh, I'd be shocked if any of them, uh, if we've ever won anything remotely related to 
uh, skiing as the Latinos. You have in the Winter Olympics overall, you've won one gold and three. Well, pardon me, Spain, not you. Right, Spain. Uh, gold medals, three gold or one gold medal and three bronze medals. That's it. One gold medal in the entire history of the Winter Olympics. Yes, but that counteracts or contradicts. Not really. No. If, yes, it does. If every Latino plays soccer and every white person skis. And How you do just, you know and, what's skiing? Could have been curling. I, well, that I don't. That I don't know. I just found an overall list of the just some total. Uh, now, so that's now I'm gonna look. Go I'm, right ahead. I gotta find out what it is that Spain gold medaled in. I'm on uh, Statista.com oh, and under sports and re- recreation, and then sports and fitness is the sub. Uh, they have Winter Olympics. And that's as of March 2018. Wow. So. <sighs> Latinos do venture into the cold. It does happen. No, I didn't say we don't venture into the cold. Uh, we do venture into the cold. Uh, it's just not our natural proclivity. So they won the gold, a gold medal in 1972 at the Sapporo Olympics. It's a big Olympics. Uh, I remember that is. Olympics. It is. It's huge. Um, that was a key see. medal, too, in that Olympics. So was it a key medal? <laughs> yep. It's one everybody remembers and talks about. <laughs> it's... It's Usain Bolt or Carl Lewis. Uh, uh, same thing. It's a Paul. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I may be wrong. Holy shit. All right. I may be wrong here. Uh, Francisco Fernandez Ochoa was initially disqualified and was, was not able to win in the uh, uh, men's alpine skiing. But then in the men's slalom, he bounced back and did win the gold medal in skiing, so that men's slalom is skiing. He is a champion. Oh, without a doubt, ski racer. Wow, wow! But since 1972, crickets. Before 1972, crickets. There was perhaps it was person. just a general consensus from Spain. Well, we've clearly dominated that, so we're going to move on. You know, <laughs> yeah, and that's what it was. Invested resources <laughs> elsewhere. Exactly. We came, we saw, we conquered. Vinny Vitabici. That's uh, Italian. That <laughs> is Italian, but it's, you know they're right there. <laughs> They were a part of uh, Rome. Uh, so that's incredible. It's incredible. He only won one World Cup race in his entire life. It was in 1974. Wow. Yeah. Hilarious. But the crazy thing is, you know, he's won in, in any given year. If he's done that, he's one yeah. of the top three for a number of years, more than likely. I'd like to find out if there's some whiteness in his background. I think maybe that would, that would. Uh, well, good luck. Well, I don't know where you look that up. I don't even know where you would look that up. No, to be honest with you, right. exactly. And I, I don't no. know if that site also tried to overthrow this government on January six. <laughs> you might want to back yeah. off. You know, check your source. Check a couple right. sources on this one. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Uh, sadly, he passed away in uh, in 2006 um, of lymphatic cancer. He was only 56 years old. <laughs> no, that's a shame. The only thing I would never do. Yeah. On skis, at least. Yes. Uh, would be the ski jump. Ski jump. Okay. You've seen that where they go down a of huge course. ramp. Yeah. And then they get rifled off into the fucking ether practically. No, thanks. Yeah. They no just sit there with thanks. their toes pointed upward as they create the least amount of drag to fly down the side of this massive. I've seen those jumps before. I've never seen actually anyone Oof. take off of them. But yeah, just yeah. seeing it, you're like, no. What's the one, uh, uh, the Eddie the Eagle, that movie? You see how yeah. many times he crashes trying to get good at that? And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't have the endurance 
to uh, go through the pain and the broken bones and injuries. Uh, plus, I'm, a, I'm like I got a thing about heights. So as soon as it hit a certain level, I'd probably lose my shit, have my legs going everywhere. And by the yeah. time I landed, I break both legs. So, yeah. I think about ninety eight point nine percent of the population agrees with you. Good point. Good point. Yeah, it's a it's, it's like luge and skeleton. Like it's a rarefied Ooh. individual that that does these. I love the luge. I love to watch the luge because the luge. Oh, of course, crazy man. They're going so fast. I just expect them to just fucking careen off one of the curbs. Like Tiger Woods, and just go right over the side. That's what I expect to happen, but they never do. So yeah, yeah. Any any of that? That's I love that. Summer Olympics doesn't have any of those. You know, not really. Right? They don't. I mean, it's a good point. Like what we're gonna have you bodyboard the fastest down this canal with rushing water. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. The flume. <laughs> the flume. Call it the flume. Yeah, yeah, just call it the flume, and it's just this rage of water going down <laughs> you come to find out it's like this scandinavian sport <laughs> we do the flume yeah well it's a, they have so many fjords that they can just <laughs> go down these and rifle into some lake so they've been doing this <laughs> and everybody else is like i'll give that a try uh um, right, right. <laughs> craziness man uh, yeah we'll see the u.s is talking about potentially boycotting 22 oh really because why uh, it's what's well, the winter in China and for oh, China. All, yeah. All the, the human rights stuff. Oh, no. uh, I get it. But I mean, I don't know. I get it, but it's not like our track record is fucking that great either. So I know, I but know. does that give us excuse then to deny the existence of this one? Be like, well, we were no. awful at 1.2. No, no, I suppose you're right. I mean, you got to make stances, I, you got to make stands and, and principled stands as well. You do. Um, it's just been a long time since the Olympics has been used for political theater. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, not, I'm not demeaning when it's been used in the past or future by saying political theater, but that's what it, that's what it is. It's entertainment on some level to us. There are repercussions yeah, for these actions, but we are engaged. I'm not denigrating it by calling it entertainment. Right. It captures right. fascination and discussion and talk. Yeah, uh, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it does. But it's been it's been since the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're still having they're still planning to have the Olympics this year in the summer in Tokyo. Yeah, uh, but it's not in China. Right. It's not going to be in China. Right. Exactly. So uh, it's a horse of a different color. I don't know what they're going to do because there are rumors they're not going to let fans travel. But then we're kind of opening up. How insane is it that we were the dunce kid? when it came to this coronavirus thing in class, and now we're the envy of every country in the world because we bought so many things, put this in motion, got everybody vaccinated. Now other countries are blaming their leaders for not being smart enough to plan ahead for when this vaccine was finally approved. It's crazy. Now, I, I, I think it's a combination of two factors. One, there's a centralized plan, or at least as best there can be when there's this many people involved. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and two considering we manufacture we created right so many of these variations you know three of them that are taking off like right now you can walk down to la uh cal state cal state la and you can get a fucking johnson and johnson shot anybody yeah. you can't do that down here i might well, have to drive up to be honest with you i might have to drive up and go get vaccinated you're wasting your time because they they turned we, people away yesterday they're turning oh, people wow. away today there's just too much demand I heard, I heard Cal State Bakersfield, though, is like handing him out on the street. 
But that's a three and a half hour drive, man. No, I'm not in the mood for that. So uh, they said they're throwing out vaccines. They have so many because people aren't, uh, they're not able to give them to people. Um, at least that's what I'm seeing online on Twitter. Uh, a couple of people. I saw a headline, but I didn't click to read the article just yet. Yeah. yeah. I saw the Cal State Los Angeles instead first. But yeah, My, uh, I just think it's, we have access to three versions and we get first dibs. Yeah. Yeah. And then a plan of, yes, we'll buy this many and we distribute here and it comes down to this. And just like, yeah, I never doubted eventually we could had it easily been number one in the world at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. My, my uh, girlfriend got her first dose uh, last weekend. So this past weekend, I guess we went on Saturday morning to get her uh, her first mm-hmm. shot. It's going to take a you know a few weeks before she can go back and get her second shot. But it was in and out, man. She was in and out in 20 minutes um, because we got an early time, mm-hmm. drove over to U- UCSD, got in there, got out. They wouldn't let plus ones jump in. I tried to work my magic a little bit, but they didn't let me in. So she was on the she was on the fence. I had the nurse on the fence because she was like, so you you need to get your shot. I'm like, yeah. she's like, um, do you care which one you get? And I was like, no, I know you don't take plus ones. And then that was, I gave her the out by saying that she was, like, we're not right now. You're right. We're not, we can't. And I was like, ah, I think if I had pushed a little bit, maybe I could have slid in or something like that. Maybe, but, but you never know. In six days, or seven days, it's going to be open to everybody 16 mm-hmm. and older. So you just got to schedule an appointment at that. Uh, I want that Johnson & Johnson one. One shot, out. That's what they're doing at Cal State Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Is the Johnson & Johnson. Uh, yeah, that seems like <laughs> the better way to go. <laughs> one and done, yeah. and I'm out. I'm good. Knock me on my ass. And let but me if it takes up. two, I really don't care at this point. Right, that's true. That's true. Um, um, has Catherine gotten vaccinated or no? No. Okay. All right. She's just waiting. Neither of us is pre-qualified. So right. once things actually open up, although, I mean, technically she would be in line before me, but I, I don't think it'll matter by the time True. the 15th comes, you know, rolls around. Good point. Yeah. I don't fall. I fall into the, you get to wait till last demographic. So, but <laughs> Now, if they're just going to open it up to anybody, then whoever's proactive enough will get it quicker. And exactly. Yeah, or, or that's fine. Get warm and shit. The race starts next Thursday. Let's let's go, fuckers. <laughs> let's go. I'm ready. Get in your skis. Get into my skis. But then for the racing metaphor, tight short shorts. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm ready to run a marathon. Those little... Those little baby shorts that oh, uh, long yikes. distance runners wear. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be ready to roll. Well, it's still going to be, you know, the 70s here. So yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Got to take advantage. I'm not going to put on my full ski gear. I'll have goggles. <laughs> James says, I live two minutes walk from a vaccination center. I'm in Scotland. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Whatever, James. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, James. Um, anyway, all right. So, uh, Matt, today we're counting down, uh, these films from 1989. Now, you know, we're called the top 10, ladies and gentlemen, but Mm -hmm. Matt kind of proposed this idea of a quirky way to kind of have a little little more fun with the show. And we are actually going to count down what 20 through 11, our number 20 films through 11, but using the top 10 blueprint. Is that correct? Yes. Well, because... We were just searching for random years, and we 
did a random year generator. And then we went and looked at the first year and it was like, dude, we talked about this entire top 10, actually top, top 11. I know what's going to be on your list. You know, it's going to be on mine. Okay. Let's try a different year. Same result. Tried a third (laughs) year. And you were like, Hey, Hey, back in. And I was like, all right. I can Um, make it work. And then uh, just said, what about this? Like we already know if you guys go look at the list of, and at the end, we can rifle through the 10 that made the top if you want, like really quickly. Bing, 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 bing. Like, here's why we can talk about this top 10. Right. Uh, so to just do, throw some love at movies we may have, like, mentioned on other shows or has only come up on one list. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. just, I don't know, try and talk about some new movies because if we just did best of 89 or, you know, a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a lot of the movies you've heard us talk about. So let's, you know, change it up a little bit, do something different. Right. Um, so yeah, so the top, top 20 of 1989. Yeah. Uh, is in essence surprised about what, uh, how many there were to choose from here. Were you surprised that you had some, like there were a few that you were like, Oh, this is actually, Oh, I didn't know this was this year. Uh, yeah, I, I would say there was a couple of those. I was like, Oh, what about this one? And there was, some interesting choices until you see the full scope of like, as yeah. you're going through and uh, pick this one and be like, Oh yeah, I think I like that movie. Like I remember liking that movie type of thing, or just to write everything down or, Whoa, what a great gym this is. Right. But it's never going to make a top 10 list of that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Once, once you kind of open it up, I've got probably, I don't know, 25, 30 movies from that year. I genuinely enjoy. Yep. Yep, and I generally remember enjoying. Uh-huh. That's for sure. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Some dramas, some comedies, um, even a couple of animation ones. I could make a case for overall. Um, uh, and there are some interesting ones too. Or oh, it's, it's a nice. There's like a Vietnam film. Didn't quite make my top twenty, but certainly one that could I could have a conversation about. Um, uh, yeah, Jane Fonda is still in the mix on some of these, which is really incredible. So. Yeah, I mean that's what I would say overall. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how we're doing today's show. So it's the same rules, the same formats, and same everything else. We're just doing twenty through eleven uh, because you guys could probably guess each of our eight or nine of our top ten. Yeah, yeah. There sure. might be one where you have a different ten than I have, and it's really like eleven movies or twelve movies. Uh, that's true. So, yeah, and it's the same way we do it always. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. After we've revealed our personals, we create, we combine to create the top tens. Uh, and I'm, and I'm going to tell you right now, the best picture of the year did not make my top 20. So let me just put it right now. Just what you was the best know. picture of the 89? Yeah, oh, so yeah, mine either. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, mine either. Yeah. Didn't even uh, make the side discussion list of movies I enjoy. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought it was schmaltzy and I was a kid. Uh, so I can't imagine as an adult, I haven't sat through it since that mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. I've seen clips. I've seen bits and pieces and be like, not, it does really nothing for me. Although right. Morgan Freeman had a hell of a year. Oh yes, he so, did. Right. A lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 I agree. With yeah. That he's enough. got three that year that are all quality. Yep. Agreed. Uh, um, all right. Let's uh, let's do this thing. Yeah. So, well, uh, somebody say, yeah, Drew Ann said this is a great wrinkle. All right. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, we'll see where some of your films that you have uh, enjoyed that probably wouldn't make a top 10 list. We'll see if they make our top 20 through 11 list. 
uh, as we go through this list. So, uh, Matt, are you ready to start or shall we give it some more? What's your feeling? Now, nah, let's jump right into it. So at 20. What? 20? What have you got? Uh, I've got Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. All right. That's all you, man. Go ahead. Knock it out of the park. Well, it, this came out at the perfect point. Mm. And I it was cheesy, but I also, it was a lot of fun. And I've seen it a number of times, especially that once it came out on VHS and yeah. it was a movie that people would pop in, like at a friend's house, his parents would pop that in or my house. It's easy. And you know, it's good entertainment for kids. So I've seen it a bunch of times. Oh yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I thought it was magic. I mean, like the big ant and all that jazz when you're, even as a kid, mm. it was like, that looks fake, but it also looks really cool because I've never seen an ant that big. And yeah. I think, for me, at least, it still has that type of visual and attachment. All the, like the various, uh, right when they get shrunk down, or Rick Moranis swinging on the uh, <laughs> the the clothes rack, the circuit, uh, the the rotating clothes rack, and he suspended yeah. himself and he's trying with a magnifying glass. Um, I loved Rick Moranis too, from mm. all the great comedies I saw, you know, of his during the eighties as a right. kid. Right. So it's just bleeding into. I'm already a big fan of Rick Moranis. It's a fun premise. I'm actually uh, reading Michael Crichton's uh, oh. book Micro. It's basically the yeah. same thing. Oh, it's not that good. It's not that okay. good. Okay. But I'll bang it's it cool. out. I'll be done by tomorrow. It's like one of those super quick reads. Uh, yeah, okay. it's called Micro. But as I'm reading this, and just it took me back to, honey, I shrunk the kids, and then this list serendipitously came up and I was like, Oh yeah, I still enjoy that movie and where it takes me back to. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if somebody was newly discovering it now, it's hokey. Some of the effects and whatnot yeah, you might yeah, still yeah. enjoy the overall entertainment and ride and pacing and whatnot, but it definitely looks pre CGI. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that's my 20. Nice. Nice. All right. What's your 19? Uh, 19 is license to kill. Ooh, the James Bond movie. All right. Go ahead, yeah. man. You got, you got Bond. You got Robert Davi as Ugh. a drug dealer, like a South American drug dealer. Ugh. You got yeah. Benicio Del Toro as his, right. you know, his lieutenant. Yes. You got Wayne Newton as a scamming televangelist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is, it's a whole lot of, I can't believe this made it on the screen. And I'm so thankful it made it on the screen. You got Joe Don Baker. Yep. You got killer sharks with freaking lasers. And no, they don't get lasers, but you get killer sharks, I think. Um, Yo, there's definitely sharks. He right? has to go. It's in the first act of the movie. Yes. Uh, it's like establishing his bona fides. You know what I mean? Where he gets into the pre-action before the real action. He's like, right. you're Bond. We get it. These um, 80s Bond movies are rough. I, I know it's on your list, but like these 80s Bond movies can be tough to go back to and watch. But Carrie uh, Newell is in this one, too. I think this is uh, where I saw her before she got on Law & Order. Uh, I remember seeing her. This is like the first thing I saw her in. So, yeah, she's great on this. Well, one. they were trying to get to like a slicker, more action-y because of yeah. the influence of the 80s after the Roger Moore campiness. So... I, I'm a fan of the Timothy Dalton, both of them. I, like I agree. I think he's a good Bond, Matt. I like him as well. I. I, don't, I don't think there's ever been a Bond I haven't liked, to be honest with you. Uh, I've liked all the Bonds. Now, are they you know, different in terms of ranking? Sure. But Dalton held his own, man. And this is a guy that didn't lead many films. So to have him slide in and play Bond, I think he did a good job for what he was given. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, 
it's they have a type that they kind of go after and you see someone like timothy dalton and he was born in that tuxedo yeah you're right about that it just fits just like pierce brosnan that find me somebody that looks that good in the tux you know what i mean like that dude was made for that piece of clothing uh and it just looks it looks good i saw a screen test for colin firth oh oh, to be it was interesting i were made no no no, i'm sorry it was sam neal there was sam neal Colin Firth, I think, was a rumor at one point. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. It was a whole article about it. But yeah, Sam Neill as Bond. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Yeah. An Australian as Bond. Yeah, he's got the confidence. Um, but ultimately didn't get the part. Um, but yeah, super. But I mean, this whole thing is so bonkers over the top because yeah. he's gone kind of roguish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, I believe, this is off books. Yeah, type of action, and he's going down because they killed a friend of his. So it's like a yes. revenge tour through, and uh, yeah, Felix yeah, Leiter. They, they killed Felix Leiter, which is the character. Um, that's the name of his friend. Yeah, it leaves his wife barely alive, and they, so he goes after everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, wow, what a great deviation for Bond too, because before that, everything else has been. Officially sanctioned, as far as I can remember, I'm sure there might be one in there that was unsanctioned, but right, right, for him, for this killing machine to kind of go rogue. Uh, yeah, so that's my 19. Priscilla Barnes is in this one. I forgot, she's like the third person in Three's Company, the third person to take Chrissy's spot in Three's Company. I think, wow, oh. interesting, interesting people in this one. Um, uh, okay, all right, so what's your 18, my man? My 18 is Steel Magnolias. Oh, all right. That's all you, bud. Go ahead. Dude, you get her the fucking orange juice, man. Just yeah. just get her the orange juice. Got diabetes, man. I think that could have been the first, like, real version of diabetes that I ever saw as a kid. Yeah. I didn't know anybody that had diabetes. No, it's true. It's um, a good point. They didn't put a lot of, they didn't put diabetes in movies. Not though. like that, where she yeah. goes into starts convulsing and whatnot, and his body yeah. going into shock, like she slowly tunes out, and then Sally Fields has to run and get that orange juice. It was scary, but it's yeah. uh it's a movie my mom uh enjoyed. So I, I've seen Steel Magnolias and I find enjoyment. It's like Mystic Pizza. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen Mystic Pizza a number of times, just another Julia Roberts. I thoroughly enjoy it, but uh, if it wasn't a favorite of my mom, I don't know if I'd ever go back to watch it again. There's some great lines in that movie. Shirley MacLaine kills it throughout that whole movie with her her quips and her one-liners. Mm-hmm. You know, when she's watching what's her face dance, she's like, it's like she's like watching her from behind dance. It's just it's like two pigs like fighting out yeah, under a blanket. <laughs> and that aardvark cake, and they see it, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, basically, it was like, uh, what if the Golden Girls were real? <laughs> as opposed to always having zippy one-liners <laughs> and uh who doesn't love that man yeah. gold yeah, girls are great sure. um there's a camaraderie between all olympia dukakis shirley mclean uh, sally yeah. fields and like this next generation with julia roberts and yeah uh uh daryl hannah yeah hannah right that's right Darryl. um Damn, I'm trying to remember who else. Wasn't Sam Shepard in this as the hus as the dad? Isn't it? I think he's the dad and could have been why I'm blanking on that. I focus on all the actresses yeah. when I think of that movie. I think it's Dermot Moroney who plays the fiance too. Sounds oh. about right. Yeah. Could be. I think yeah, once again, Dermot, 
is the guy in um, the other one. Uh, my best friend's wedding. My best friend's wedding. Yeah. Yeah. No, Tom Scared is the dad. No, wait. There you go. No. Oh no. Tom, Sham Shepard is with Dolly Part. Remember, and he's like kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. that side little love shit. story. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, Tom Scared is the dad. Tom Scared. Yeah. Now that you say Tom, you're like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I forgot. About how how what how was I blanking on that? Um. Yeah, so it's it's another. I mean, nineteen eighty nine. Who's still in the midst of the tail end, I guess, of my childhood. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So movies hit differently, and there were fewer in my worldview because I only had access to what my parents would basically get me. Now they would, they were pretty liberal about that, and I I thank them for it. Right, right. But what we actually owned. Okay, well that's different. <laughs> that's a different story <laughs> as opposed to what we could rent. So Steel Magnolias was an owned, and uh, yeah, yeah I, you know, it holds a certain place in my heart. It reminds me of so many different things. So when I think of Steel Magnolias, like it puts a smile on my face. A lot of movies in '89 do that. Why not? And you know, Julia got nominated off of this film. I think her first nomination for Best Sporting Actress mm. uh, off of this film as well. And this is interesting. Herbert Ross directed this one. He's got a lot of interesting uh, uh, films in his uh, repertoire here. Sunshine Boys in the '70s, The Goodbye Girl. Uh, uh, Max Dugan returns. Footloose, Secret of My <laughs> Success, uh, Steel Magnolias, My Blue Heaven, True Colors, which I think is that Sean Penn gang one, isn't it? Yeah. No, 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 that's, no, no, that's colors. colors. That's colors. Sorry, this is yeah, the John colors. Cusack. Colors, colors, colors. <laughs> Undercover Blues, and his last film was Boys on the Side, the Drew Barrymore one. Mm. So interesting. So it's a varied uh, career. I really, I know, really, but a lot of female-led films. So shout out to him, man, for uh, doing a few. He also did Funny Lady, which I think was the sequel to Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. So uh, shout out to him for all the stuff he's done there. Can't say that I've seen that. So no, <laughs> no idea if it's good or not. It will not pass judgment. No, no. Uh, all right, <laughs> that's your number eighteen. All right. Yep. <clears throat> All right, this my list is going to be crazy. Just letting you all go because I chose the ones that I love to watch. So from eleven to twenty, that's the allowances I make. Number twenty is one of is one of these closet favorite of mine that nobody talks about. Every forgot everybody forgot about. Um, it's called an innocent man. Sorry, <sighs> sorry about that. An innocent man, starring starring Tom uh, Selleck as this dude who gets railroaded into prison by these two corrupt cops. And, oh, yeah. And F. Murray Abraham is the uh, guy in prison who has to kind of like school him through the situation. Uh, and uh, one of the cops is David Rash, who still works. Uh, Sledgehammer mm-hmm. himself He is one of these dirty cops. Um, and his wife is – she still works. Uh, it was the wife in uh, – Untu- uh, no, not Untouchables. Um, another film I can't remember right now. But she was the wife uh, she's, uh, for Tom. And so she's so frustrated because she's trying to get him out of prison. And mm-hmm. Tom Selleck goes from the scared guy who runs – who works for an aviation company. And I think they stumble upon a drug deal going down and they try to intimidate him. And they frame him, which is how they get him sent to prison. And he has to like kind of like deal with being in prison and, and changes to a hard ass by the end of the movie when he's released. And then he takes it upon himself to try to find out uh, or try to uh, get these guys arrested and put in prison. It is one of my favorite fucking movies from the 80s. Uh, and it's got a great song from Joe Cocker, When the Night Comes. That's from that movie. So, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole lot of plot. 
That's well, a we whole lot of blow. That Nicholas Costa Waldo one that just I know shot collar. Same thing. Same fucking. But he he stays in. So the fact that uh, Tom Selleck is wrongfully accused, yeah. goes to prison, makes it through prison, then gets out and gets yeah. revenge. Like that's a lot of fucking. That's what I tell you. It's fucking, and you got F. Murray Abraham is just fucking fantastic as a lifelong prisoner. I haven't seen that movie in so long. (laughs) I love that movie so goddamn much. Good for you. I tell you, look, I I enjoy Tom Selleck in movies. I can't understand. Uh, It's so weird, right? Like, you can, I think, I don't know if he's ever done a necessarily bad movie. Uh, that's what's crazy. He never really blew up as a movie actor, but I don't know if he's ever done a bad like. Quickly I can't down say is defensible. Sure, but, uh, yeah. sure. Runaway. Uh, Runaway. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Baseball. Right. He's charming um, in Mr. Baseball. Oh, it's great. He's absolutely. It's one of the best perform. I can't. He's so good in it. I, it's yeah. tough for me to visualize anybody else doing it. Yeah. Great point. Great point, man. Um, in and out. Go ahead, yeah. I can't qualitatively say because I haven't seen all his movies. Oh, okay. Right, that he hasn't made a bad one. I'm sure there's some, maybe this should have come out on Hallmark type level movie. <laughs> that was the offer's deal. I'm not saying that's his talent. I'm saying it seemed to be that's where the echelon that he was getting offers of. That's fair. I I haven't seen these other ones. Lassiter that he did with Jane Seymour and Lauren Hutton in the 80s. High Road to China, which I think he's a pilot with... Uh, yeah, best Never even heard of that one. That's the one with uh, oh, and three men and a baby is great. Three men, three men and a baby is great in her alibi. He's good in that. Um, cut, I, that one. Her alibi. That's the one where he, yeah, it's uh, with what's her face. Yeah, Polina Pariskova, Miss Rick Ocasek herself. Oh, I think, okay. I think that's her. Yeah, Mister yeah. Baseball. Uh, the sequel to Three Men and a Little Lady. In and Out. He's good in In and Out. So yeah. All right, but uh, then then back to TV, pretty much for the rest of his career. So uh, yeah, he's been on Blue Bloods now for what seventeen years. That, yeah, that show's still going, dude. I can't believe that show's still around. Holy fuck, that show's still around, man. It's not made for us. Good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. That is retirees' meat and potato show right there. <laughs> I then it come on on Fridays at like eight yeah. eight p.m. Yeah. You get the market. They, got a, get they the, got a specific demographic. You get the Donnie Wahlberg. You get the uh, uh, what's her face used to be Mrs. Tom Brady. Uh, shit. What's oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I forget her name. Uh, <sighs> oh, that could come up in a fucking thing. I should find out who that is. Oh, was that Beckinsale? No, no. Bridget Moynihan. That's it. Bridget, Bridget Moynihan. Moynihan. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so wow, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> there's a reason for that, Matt. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying there's a reason for that. Um, anyway, so that was my number 20. I don't want to spend too much time on that because I know it's a fantastic for me. And my 19 is uh, an Al Pacino forgotten classic from the 80s, Sea of Love. Okay. I love that film. So good. Him and John Goodman as this uh, this uh, uh, buddy. Oh, not to a buddy, but they're, they're partners, cops who are trying to hunt down a serial killer. Um, and Ellen Barkin plays the woman who was once dating this serial killer. So Pacino like befriends her uh, in essence to try to kind of use her as bait to catch this guy. And mm-hmm. then he uh, ends up falling in love with her. So it becomes a conflict 
for him because he still wants to catch the guy, but he doesn't want her to risk her life, but he needs to. And then she finds out about it. So there's a lot of shit that goes down in the and the I, I don't want to give it away in case anybody wants to go back to 1989 and watch this movie about who the serial killer is. But it's someone that uh, we have been enjoying in a, a Marvel movie. So I'll just let it be there. Um, and so it's just a, it's just a damn good 1989 film that a lot of people don't talk about. And I thought Pacino did an excellent job in the movie for sure. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I've not seen it, so I can't really add to. Oh, you never seen Sea of Love? Right on. Nope. Okay. Who directed that one? I think it was Jewison. Am I wrong? Yeah, I'm not against seeing it, but it's part of, you know, that pile of movies of, oh, yeah, I've never seen that because you can't watch them all. That's true. That's true. You can't watch them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. And um, I enjoy watching it, going back and watching it. So that's my number 19. Okay. Uh, and, and then uh, my number 18 is The Fabulous Baker Boys. Ah, uh, that is all you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it at the time, so I don't know. Okay. No worries. And then it was man. on HBO after that, and I watched it again, and I was like, this is not, this wasn't made for me. Like, I just <laughs> didn't enjoy the experience at all. That's not for me. I've seen it a few times, man. I gave it because I love, oh, I love the idea of brothers being on screen. I yeah. like Jeff Bridges a lot. Michelle Pfeiffer was Ooh. incredibly sexy. sexy. And yeah. as a kid, it was like, this is wow. Wow. Yeah. There are people that look like that. <laughs> Great point, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I lived in a small town. Like, uh, yeah, you know, like, they were attractive women, but at the same time, she is kind of next level, you know, yeah, just, a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, she moved to a town of hot people and all the hot people went, dude, she is, she's yeah. pretty hot. That's true. That's you true. see it, man. Sometimes somebody's just so disturbingly handsome, especially in LA. You're like, yeah. I, I didn't know that people like you existed. So yeah. I'm just happy to be in your presence right now. This is beauty. <laughs> it's beauty on a level that's, it's pretty impressive. Ooh. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, this one I, I uh, thoroughly uh, uh, love. It hit me at the right time because I'm a little bit older than you, man. I mean, it was I was just about to go into the military, you know, because I joined the military in 1990. Uh, uh, I, this is the first girl I ever fell in love with. We went to go see this movie. Like we had this, we had the cassette soundtracks. Uh, when she came to visit me in basic training, uh, we were able to go out after I graduated for that night before they sent me off. To training, and uh, we went out to this club, this uh, restaurant rather, and it was a piano bar restaurant. And mm-hmm. I made the guy play one of the songs that he knew from the soundtrack, and we slow danced to it. So there's a lot of my connection to this movie, but I also just love it separately as a film. I enjoy the slow pace of it. I enjoy the music uh, that they're playing. I enjoy the battles between brothers that happens. I mean, I've had my battles with my brother, so it's like it's there's a lot here that resonates uh, for me. And I like this is an unusual Jeff Bridges performance in that he's so in command of everything around him effortlessly and he's kind of a brute at times, he's sympathetic at times. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's a frustrating person to cheer for while other people are kind of like living their lives and trying to establish themselves. There's a certain level of effortlessness for him that is frustrating to everyone else around them. And he takes advantage of it because he can be a dick because he's good looking, because he's talented. He doesn't Mm -hmm. have to work as hard as everybody else. uh, And he relies on that. And the whole movie is about kind of calling him out on that as it goes along. So there's a lot of great uh, scenes here, a lot of great sequences. I just thoroughly, thoroughly love it. Um, And it's still a soundtrack I own. Not on cassette, obviously, but it's still a soundtrack I own now. 
want to just check for myself who directed this one as well. Um, okay, not someone I know, Steve Cloves. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. Um, that's my number uh, 18. All right. Uh, All right. What do you got at 17, brother? 17? I've got uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Whoa, really? All the way yep. down at 17? That's in my top 10. All right, go ahead, man. Is it really? Yeah. It's um, original. It is. And even as a, I, as a kid, I enjoyed it because it was stupid fun. And if I yeah. watch it now, I still enjoy it for those same very reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of stupid fun, and it's two guys running around somehow pulling off this big, ridiculous, grabbing historical figures from the past, and then the zany adventures they get up to here, Napoleon going to Waterloo, uh, which is yeah. kind of fun. And it makes you, like, as a kid... To explore more, I knew who Napoleon was and I knew what Waterloo was. Right, right. But I did educate myself as to why that was used as a joke. And I was like, oh, okay. It, I mean, it made it better. So they tried to, there's some intelligence uh, behind it. Sure. Uh, but it's a lot of uh, stupid and I enjoy it for what it is. Um, yeah. But compared to like so many other movies that I will happily watch over it. Um, for the same yeah. entertainment value or for dramatic effect. Uh, and then when I stack it up with the full, I mean, it could float higher. Sure. 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 But it's still in my, it's definitely in the 11 through 20 range for me. Okay. All right. Yeah. I enjoy the movie. I, I, I like the, the chemistry with them and it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a, I don't know. It's a smarter movie than you give it credit for when you initially watch it. Right. It's easy to dismiss the movie initially. But in moments. You, yeah, when you go back and watch it, there are certain conversations, certain moments that you're like, ah, this still works. This still resonates. This is still funny or this still can be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the overall point of it, you know, and, and it, it speaks to you if you're from that time, if you're a teenager or coming out of your teens at that time, there's a connection. You know those dudes. You went to high school with those dudes. You you know you know who these guys are going to be. And it's so funny because this is what, like, just a few years um, – before dazed and confused and i these guys are the version of the dazed and confused guys usually like rory cochran and them in the movie these guys even though that's 70s but you get that vibe you know what i'm saying they're kind of connected in some way well dazed and confused was trying to be honest bill and ted's was trying to be fun well yes but those guys are real guys i i know those dudes i grew up with those dudes in the 80s man really yeah dude yeah whereas because I, I didn't I didn't grow up in the seventies, but I knew people yeah. like a lot of people in Days Confused in high school. Mm-hmm. Whereas I did not know two dudes both exactly carbon copies of one another like this in high school. Just ah, oh, bro, all right. Maybe if I lived out here, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah maybe right. So it seemed like a caricature to me at the time. I didn't know what that word was. San Dimas. Uh but <laughs> anyway, so it's yeah, it's definitely my eleven through twenty. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, what's your 16 then? Uh, my 16 is uh, The Experts. Ooh, with John Travolta. Really? The John Travolta one. Interesting. Love it. All right. Go ahead, man. Love it. There was a chance it might have even gone higher. Wow. Um, okay. It's, it's a brilliantly simplistic premise. Mm-hmm. So it's a, the KGB has in some unnamed more than likely it's not on a map. Unmarked city has created a version of America where they train spies to 
implant within our society. Okay. And they come to the U.S. and they find John Travolta and the other dude whose name I do not know. Okay. Um, you know, he's one of those that guys for a bunch of different projects in that right, era. Right, 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 right. Uh, but as two guys to come back to this KGB town and teach them how what it's like to be America or American in the eighties. Isn't it Ari Gross? Isn't that who I, it is? It, that sounds right. Wait, let me look it up. I think it is. I know uh, McNichol plays like the kind of father figure to the town. Yeah. Uh, the guy that was the accountant in the Untouchables, or the FBI oh, Charles, forensic accountant. Smith. Charles Martin Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Wasn't it? I'm looking at the cast right now. Charles Martin Smith is who you're thinking about, right? Really? He's he's named Mr. Smith in the movie. Very well could have been. Yeah, it's Maybe Josh Travolta, Ari Gross, Kelly Press. No, 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 no. What? Uh, I don't know. I yeah. thought it was. Yeah, feel free to look it up. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, I'm not IMDb, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah but you were right. Rick Dukeman, come on. It's got Rick Dukeman. Who's Rick Dukeman? The neighbor from the Burbs that's always egging on Tom oh. Hanks. Oh, okay. To like go, we need to go. Come on, let's do this. And then when it goes south, his things like, well, you know, just kind of gets out of there. I have no idea who this guy. I've never seen the Burbs. I have no idea who this guy is. So okay. Rick Dukeman, um, he was the electrician in Die Hard that's in the manhole. And they're like, hold on, you know, Central... They want oh. me to shut this down. That's oh, yeah. Dukeman. And he's like, I'll do what you tell me. You guys just got to tell me what I'm doing here. Yeah, I'm no. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole section. That's Rick, <laughs> That's one of the few non where he's not playing an asshole or funny guy. Interesting. That's probably <laughs> one of Dukeman's. He's a he's a stand-up, so. Uh, oh, okay. That makes sense. They kind of like broke into acting with other, other guys, and he was in a ton of different projects. Yeah, I'm looking at his resume. He was in Spaceballs. Yeah. Uh yeah, he worked for a long time. Yeah, you're right. Hunt for Red October. Wow. Last Boy Scout. All right. Groundhog Day. Jesus. Shout out to that guy. Um, All right. Yeah, but you're right. Uh, or at least IMDb was right. Charles Martin Smith. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they they have to come over there, and the the KGB town is set in the 1950s, and that's why they oh. need an update. Um, so it's them bringing in modern ways and some of the people like it and some of them don't. And it becomes to this big crescendo in the end, but it's, you know, it's, I guess a quasi serious premise, but it's done for kind of fun comedic. There's some love interests and stuff like that, but overall you're just meant to enjoy yourself. Wow. uh, During the movie. Yeah. It's not like some big political thriller. Yeah. 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 It's more like Thomas directed this. The guy from SCTV, uh, the Strange Brew guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Holy shit. Um, I think this is where Travolta met Preston. I think this is yeah, where is. they met and got together. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Wow. And okay. I guess some people might say this is where Preston got introduced to Scientology, too. So. Oh, well, well, all right. Well, I'm- I don't know if she was or was not, but we all know that Travolta was. That's true. He was. He was. He was. Um, all right. Good choice, man. It's one of those ones that I just, I watched and just immediately forgot about, but in fact, uh, I do. So respect, man. Yeah. Well, I didn't see it until it was on one of the pay channels in the mid nineties. Oh yeah. Didn't see it at the time. Um, and watch, I mean, watched it because it was on 
for yeah. three years of like you could just always find the experts if you were really hunting hard enough. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I've seen it a bunch of times. It, it's quality stuff. So that's my sixteen. What do you got? All right, seventeen is probably going to shock some people. My seventeen is Dead Poet Society. Okay, go for it. Is that on your list at all? In the top twenty at all? Oh, interesting. No. Uh, are you shocked at more than I did? Then um, maybe. it might be a top. It might be a top forty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was surprised at how low it kept falling as I was making this list. To be honest with you, um, because I, I I don't run back and see this that much anymore. It's it's a depressing film. It's got it. It's got a wonderful of the cuckoo's nest kind of ending, which is really not something I want to run back and watch over and over again. Robin Williams is absolutely excellent in the movie, but you know, as yes. you get older, you go back and you like, do you really give a shit what some stuffy rich white kids no figure. Yeah, and and you're watching, you're like, I don't care. They're not yeah. really that interesting. Although the actors are fine. Robert Shaw Leonard, certainly Josh Charles from Sports it's, Night. Uh, this was Ethan Hawke's first movie. Oh yeah, Ethan Hawke. Yes. So and uh, uh, the story goes that Robin Williams contacted the agent that Hawk had oh. for years and years and years after that, and was like, yeah. "This kid is good." Oh wow! Uh, type of thing, but I, I think it's Robin Williams and nothing else. And I like a lot of those actors in it. Yeah, but me too. Me too. He is utterly rewatchable, and I don't enjoy any of the rest of the storyline. And the problem is, he, uh, Mr. Williams, is twenty percent. Yeah, good point. So. Uh, no thanks. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 one I know that I, I I remember enjoying the film. It's just not one that I necessarily run back to see, but I had to put it on my list because of Robin. I think Robin is excellent in the movie, as you said, and he is. And those lessons that he teaches throughout the movie are still lessons that are universally universally applicable to anybody yeah. who wants to hear what he's trying to say. Um, and I think he does a fantastic job. And it's it's a restrained performance that gives you an idea of what's coming in Goodwill Hunting like eight years later. Uh, and okay. it's great to see him kind of like, oh, yes, because people forget that Robin Williams can do drama. Moscow on the Hudson is an early 80s film where pretty dramatic stuff that he's doing as a Russian immigrant coming to the state. So there is, there's always been Robin doing some drama, and you have to constantly remind people how great he actually is at it. And this is one of those films where he doesn't fall back on, let me do a Schwarzenegger imitation. He's very focused and it makes sense for the time, but he's pushing the boundaries, but he pushes the boundaries for how it's set in the time. And so uh, that's why I enjoy this movie a lot. So, Um, oh yeah. Go ahead. Totally. Yeah. I wanted to see, so I like to kind of remember because I'm terrible with directors, dude. I just like to see Peter Weir did this one. Okay, wow, Peter Weir. All right, um, all right. So then my number sixteen mm-hmm. uh, is also one of these '80s classics that I fucking love: Black Rain, the Michael Douglas film. I know. I wanted to make time to watch it again this week, but yeah. I just couldn't. No worries, uh, man. No worries. What a fucking great film, dude. I mean, this is a fucking quintessential '80s. Dude, with the Michael Douglas at his fucking prime, got the mullet. You got a young Andy Garcia as his partner, and what happens to him, which is kind of the impetus for this whole movie. Um, and then you've got uh, this Japanese gangsters, the Yakuza. It is a cocky, corrupt cop in Michael Douglas who has taken on 
uh, this international drug ring with the Yakuza in Japan, and it is fucking badass. And Ridley Scott directed this one, ladies and gentlemen. Ridley Scott directed this one. It's got the whole, like, I think this is the closest he ever came to uh, directing something like his brother, Tony Scott. It's got that vibe to it with the smoke and the, the, you know, the uh, 80s guitar songs all throughout um, and the overdone emotional moments uh, and then the connective moments as well. And it all leads to a fucking awesome fight scene between Michael Douglas and, and the main bad guy. Okay. Uh, played by Yusaku Matsuda. He plays Sato. But then you have uh, Ten Takakura, who plays Masahiro, who is his like, connective tissue in the movie to Japan. And this is the same guy who played, uh, who was in uh, the Yakuza film with Robert Mitchum in the 70s. So kind of interesting to see him being called upon again to be a part of this kind mm-hmm. of world. But yeah, he's a corrupt cop who's fleeing New York, trying to figure this whole thing out. And... Uh, he has to – when what happens to Andy Garcia happens to Andy Garcia. He's kind of alone. Kate Capshaw is this American woman who's come to Japan. She's kind of a, a – I don't know, a host or escort, whatever you want to say. And she kind of helps yeah. him through this whole sequence. But it's just a fucking badass movie, man. It's all I'm going to tell you. It's a fucking badass movie. It's been it. so long. That, yeah. So I couldn't, in all honesty, put it on. I thought about it, but I was like, I need to watch it again before I back that play, basically. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I'm going to go grab a tissue to blow my nose, but go ahead to your – what's your 15? Sorry, what's your 15? Uh, my 15 is uh, Ghostbusters 2. Okay. Yeah, not on my list. Go ahead, man. I'm going to bring it Saw in the theater. I was excited for it. And uh, that's the name of the actor earlier because I looked it up beforehand. Uh, the – I don't think he's an art director, but he's a he's part of the res- restoration crew that Sigourney Weaver, Weaver's on, and he has a thing for her. Uh, McNichol is his name. And I had never seen the guy before. And he's doing some weird European accent. At first, he was super annoying. And by the end of the movie, I loved him. Uh, and I thought that, that they just kind of found an actor with that accent. And then that dude has been working so steadily. McNichol was the name I said for uh, uh, the experts, but it's because I looked him up. Yeah. I want to get his name right from Ghostbusters too. Peter McNichol, yeah, he's yeah great. Peter McNichol because that was the introduction. Yeah, of him to me as a kid, and when he's getting like slimed, and he's like, I love, he's just so excited. The yeah. build to that, and then his pivot to everything is love. Um, <laughs> I, I, if he wasn't in the movie, I don't know that I would enjoy it near as much. A thousand percent, a thousand percent, he is the reason to watch that movie because I don't think it's that good of a sequel to be honest with you or a movie, but he is great in the movie. His characterization, especially if you watch veep and see the like vicious asshole he is in veep. It's great to see that he's got that, that gear. He's also the lead. What was he? He's the lead in that eighties, uh, like kind of middle ages film. I can't remember what the name is. I remember he was on Ali McBeal. I never watched that, but I remember the promos. I think Um, dragon master. Yeah, what it was. He was like the lead in this film. And that I don't remember. Uh, let's see. House of Lady. He's got a bunch of small roles in things. Yeah, where is it? Dragon Slayer. That was his first film. Dragon Slayer from 1981. Okay. He was the lead in that. He is such an unusual lead in Dragon Slayer, man. So, uh, yeah, 
But yeah, I mean, he's so good with the characterization and everything like that because I don't think the other stuff is as strong. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you were talking about it. Sorry. I know, but you start looking at his resume and it's like, dude, this guy has been working so steadily for so long, but it's almost all in television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in Veep playing the New England Kingmaker. Oh yeah, it's a it's amazing where that's the last thing that I've watched of him, and yeah, those yeah. are the I mean it's just two crazy intersections of the guy that I thought was genuinely from some weird Eastern European town that I didn't know about, right? To eventually <laughs> being you know more American than <laughs> uh, than I guess uh, I'd care to admit in the political system. Um, but yeah, he is. And I, I, the anticipation of it, I walked out having enjoyed the movie. Uh, I was primed for it. Um, but yeah, it's crazy to look back at, given that cast and how much I had seen them in before, that he's my favorite part. Yeah. I, I, I don't, dis- as I said, a thousand percent, I don't disagree with you, bro. It is absolutely uh, the truth of the situation. So yeah. Robert Haley, uh, who's in here with us, he says uh, uh, he's got a hot take if the first Ghostbusters came out in 1989, it wouldn't sniff my top 20. Wow. Wow. Oh, rough, rough comic there. Uh, All right. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to figure out, because we've met him. Is he that old? Is it just his dislike for Ghostbusters? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. What is it, Bobo? What is your pro- dislike for Ghostbusters? 89 is just so strong that... Maybe that's what it is. It's strong right. for him. Yeah. Um, all right. Where are we going off to next, brother? Your five. So my 15 is uh, Heathers. Or 15. Oh, that's all you. I didn't realize that was 1989, but I don't care. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I liked Heathers. I've man. never liked it. Really? Wow. Okay. All right. Um, it's not like I hate it or anything, but it, right, the right. reverence by which most people kind of hold it mm-hmm. is cut, is completely lost on me. Okay. I got it. Uh, yeah, it worked, uh, I just like it a lot. I, I got a chance to interview the writer uh, about a, a, two years ago, I guess, or a year and a half ago over at Collider before. Uh, one of the last things I got to do before they let me go, and it was really great to sit down with him and talk about how he came up with this idea for the film and whatever. It was for the 20th, 30th uh, anniversary or something like that of the of the release of the movie. So yeah, just talked about it. And his brother directed Mean Girls, Mark Waters. So mm. kind of interesting how this all, and I said to him, I said, essentially, it's the same fucking movie in some ways. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He owes me some money for that. What do you I, think they, they should just do the Marcus and Markeith Morris where they have a joint bank account and both <laughs> salaries get put into? Since they're Is that true? The same job. Shut the yeah. fuck up. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. What? Marcus Morris, when he signed his last contract, it was basically, it, you know, it was like, Keith, look at how much more money we got to play with. So they put it into the same shared bank account, whatever their salaries are. Yeah. So that way it allows Markeith to chase rings with the Lakers if he wants to. Although I don't know how many suitors there were. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be some, but legitimate ones. Wow. He he fulfills a very specific need for them. But has Marcus won a thing? He hasn't won a chip, has he? Not that I, what team, Mark? No, Marcus Morris has not won a championship. He's on the Celtics when they were when they were close, but the, he did the, not win the finals. Yeah, um, interesting. If he did, he was twelfth man. I don't remember it, but I would kind of remember that Marcus Morris is, yeah, has won a championship. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, Heather's for me. It's, it's still I, I watched it for that interview. Still loved it. Still enjoyed it. Great. Uh, when I write Winona Ryder, Ryder, she's kind of like becoming Winona Ryder. Uh, Christian Slater in one of his like his three or four year window when he was wanted by everybody. Uh, and uh, Shannon Doherty is good in this movie. There are a couple of things, and of course, so many iconic lines. You know, I love my dead gay son. Um, uh, and it's a great, uh, in my opinion, it's a great like fuck you to high school, uh, and the plasticity plasticity of high school and how it can be uh, portrayed and how you can upend it, but how you can go too far. And if you connect that out into the real world. You know, in essence, Winona Ryder and Christian Slater are like these, um, for lack of a better term, terrorists who are trying to overturn or showcase uh, the lies that are being told to people. Uh, so, I, you know, there's the connective tissues throughout in this movie out to an outer society com- commentary. Uh, so I, I liked it for, for that. And uh, it's still one I enjoy thoroughly. So that's why it's here. I know I'm in the minority. Most of the people that are our age that like movies like yeah. Heather's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe I need to watch it again, but I just, that doesn't sound appealing to me because I, I don't know. I saw it and I was like, no thanks. It's <laughs> not my jam. I mean, I didn't see it when it came out. Oh, I right. saw it a few years later, but okay. still, even then, I was more primed because I was closer to the age of the characters in the movie and it still just did nothing for me. Understood. All right. What's your 14? Uh, is uh, Say Anything. Oh, that's my, that's a slight punt. Can we say slight punt? Okay. Just, sure. Right. Well, if, if it's, yeah, if it's above 13, then it is. it's a slight it punt. Is. It's a slight punt. Go. All right. So then my 14 is a weekend at Bernie's. Okay. It was a tough cut. Oh, Matt. And I watched it not long ago. Um, oh. It, the problem is when you watch it, so like uh, they open with Bernie's office. Yes. And it, it looks all his uh, splashing around his wealth. All the wealth looks fake. So, because you can tell they had to rent the, the nicest looking office they could on a budget like this. Yeah. And it's not, but it's not like the robber baron they're making him out to be. Uh-huh. Uh, it, I, I don't know. I, but I watched it like six months ago. Not yeah. even actually. I think I watched it in December. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's a lot of fun. It was a tough cut, right. but I was like, if I'm being honest with myself, I'll happily watch every one of these before I watch Weekend of Bernie's again. Wow, really? I've seen okay. it enough times. I don't need to see it again. I know precisely what the movie is. <sighs> to be honest, I've seen two fewer times, and I think I would revisit that at this point before I do one. Wow. He's kind of sliced my heart up into little pieces. Man. Well, that's fine. This You're really is, that uh, attached to Weekend yes, of Bernie's? Yes. Weekend of Bernie's is like, I, I couldn't put it in my top ten because, of course, to me, that's reserved for like the really, really great films. But Weekend of Bernie's is an incredibly funny film. Still works. Still holds up. I got nostalgia for this thing like crazy. Still have the soundtrack. Uh, still enjoy going back and watching it. Um, is it Alexandra Paul? Is that her name? Who's in this? Uh, or is it her uh, face from uh, Deep Space Nine? Is that who the woman is who is it the woman in this Catherine mary stewart that's it Catherine mary stewart she is fucking beautiful gorgeous in this movie it's the one of the last or one of the few times jonathan silverman is palatable on screen in, in a feature film andrew mccarthy is very funny uh yeah. and the guy who plays bernie i mean people still endure with the jokes uh that terry kaiser did as bernie uh all over the place and i i just it's one of those perfect summer comedies 
that's actually really funny, actually still holds up, actually has a, a, a brightness to it, even though it's dealing with him carting around a dead guy throughout. And the jokes still work. So for whatever reason, man, it kind of just hits my nostalgic heart really hard. And it's one I'll never stop watching if it's on. Okay. Uh, and, and when I used to run a video store, that was the I would have it on a loop every time I worked because it was that good of a fucking movie, in my opinion. Uh, and it still is. But, you know, that's just uh, my uh, my two cents. All right. What's, you your 13? What's your 13? Uh, 13 is the dream team. All right. That's all you, man. All right. The Michael Keaton. Not a fan, apparently. Uh, I, I, yeah. This good was actress. I, good actress. Yeah. I love this was the height of me in the 80s. Loving Michael Keaton. Yeah, totally. Because. You know, another movie of his came out this year, but I was already a fan from Mr. Mom and Gung Ho. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I was so excited. I loved it. Saw it in the theater. We owned it on VHS. It's it's kind of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but not as depressing. Oh, okay. Well, because they're in a mental ward for all yes. various reasons, and they have a day trip that they go on to, and then yeah. the... Uh, their psychiatrist or psychologist, whoever controls their admission in out of the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, passes away. So then they have to kind of like fend for themselves to get back to. And Keaton is just has like anger issues. So he's the most normal of all of these individuals. He hasn't had a psychotic break with, but it's uncontrollable at times. And yeah. he's the one that's got to manage this cast of character. You got uh, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, you've got Stephen First. Stephen First, what yeah. Flounder? Flounder, yes. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, uh, Frankenstein, and also everybody loves Raymond. Please. Oh, Peter Boyle. Yeah. Peter Boyle. Peter yeah. Boyle. That's bad. Right. I can't believe I just forgot Peter Boyle. Getting old, brother. It's life. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, it's like, come on, it's Peter Boyle, though. Is it called Dream Team or The Dream Team? The Dream Team. Okay. It's kind of like I like that Dudley oh, Moore one too. Okay. But Did you ever see the Dudley Moore one? Which one was Dudley Moore one? Where he worked uh, for an ad uh, agency. Oh, yeah. Him and Daryl Hannah, right? Uh-huh. And he gets go has to go to the, to, to the mental ward, and then right. he gets all the other people in there with him to start pitching ad slogans because they're so honest. Right. Uh, and uh, say whatever fanciful thing comes to their mind. Right. And then they start getting a bunch of work and whatnot. I'm a fan of that one. I don't know what it is about dude gets sent to a mental ward, uh, says about me that I enjoy the movie, but there's two right there in the eighties that I'm a big fan of. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this one, it just, honestly, it's, it's all the charm of Michael Keaton. He could do no wrong for me. And I wasn't seeing his super serious stuff at this point. Yeah. You know, his uh, Pacific Heights and whatnot. Right. Right. Uh, I was just seeing the fun, more broad, you know, things that he was putting out. And it's great. You're right. This is the cast. And Lorraine Bracco is the love interest. Uh, yeah. You can believe that uh, from back then. Um, and it's so funny because all these guys, I mean, Stephen First sadly passed away in 2017, didn't quite reach any of the heights that uh, he could have. But like Keaton's still fucking doing his thing. Christopher Lloyd, it was just in Nobody, the Bob Odenkirk film that's out now. Uh, and of course, Peter Boyle, uh, who passed away recently as well, he was on Everyone mm-hmm. Loves Raymond for how long? So pretty incredible group of people to get together who still work for decades. in All the roles that Peter Boyle turned down over the years is incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just do a simple Google search where he's just like, he didn't, you know, for whatever reason, turn down this and that. And there are stories as to why he did uh, for various reasons. It's impressive. Google it yourself. You'll be blown away. All right. Um, I remember liking this movie. It's that I didn't feel drawn to this movie in quite the same way you do, but I, I told you. Same time theater. Plus it was one of the VHS tapes as a kid. We owned, Ah, so it got playtime. Understood, man. Yeah. Um, Household. Just so you know, (laughs) just to put it on the record, just so you know, his other movie that came out this year, we owned that on VHS. What was that? We owned 1989. Yeah. The other Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. I somehow had toys of that one, if that makes any sense to people. Mm. Um, <laughs> but we own Gung Ho. We own Mr. Mom. Right. Mr. Mom, yeah. I fucking love. I love Mr. Mom. Uh, see, Gung Ho is my favorite of those two, and it's not even close. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. not like Gung Ho to me is priceless. Mr. Mom was like, that was all right. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, so what, that was your 13? That is my 13. So my 13 is Uncle Buck. That's 1989? Yes. How the fuck did I miss that? I found two separate lists on Wikipedia. I went through both. I missed Uncle Buck. Let me look to make sure, man. Let me make sure. I'm pretty sure that's Uncle. It's uh, 1989. Yep. There it is on IMDb. 1989. Who yeah, the- you're right. I- what? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, Does it adjust your list at all? I mean, it would definitely make the top. I don't know why my I'm stuffed up. It's weird. Sorry, guys. Uh, (laughs) People are mad. Wait, thirteen? Robert Haley. I riot Uh, over what? For me, putting Uncle Buck at thirteen. Yeah, I'm trying to think if it bumps any of my top ten out. Uh, yeah, I think it might. Yeah, really? All right. The bottom of the list, and I could adjust for Uncle Buck. Okay. So in your top 10, but not in your bottom 10. Correct. Go for it. Does that move everything? I'm not going to. There's so many movies in play. We'll just stick with the list we have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Buck 13 for me. I love this movie, man. Love it, love it, love Mm -hmm. it. It's not like it doesn't go in my top 10 because, again, top 10 are about a little bit more to them. Uh, but this one is just brilliantly great John Candy. You know, this is right before, I think, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, or is it the mm. year after or the year, maybe a couple of years after? But this is no, no, no. It's, it's before. It is? Okay. All right. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Hold on. I'll look it up. This is when he's making his run. Like John Candy is like oh yeah, full on leading these comedies and they are touching your heart. And this is a young Macaulay Culkin. Um, I forget who the girl is. Who's the young girl? Gabby no. Hoffman. Yeah, Gabby Hoffman. Well, Playing Strange was two years before. Wow. So this is this is that run. This is that run that John mm-hmm. Candy is on here where he is leading these films, and they're actually quality films, and people love them and revere them still. And Uncle Buck is one of those. I mean, great sequences where he's, like, going after uh, Jean uh, Louisa Kelly, uh, her trying to date that dude. Um, what's his name? Spud? Bug. Bug. Jay Underwood. Yeah. Bug. Uh, all of the all of those scenes are really poignant. And if you've ever had kind of issues with your family, there's no way this doesn't kind of hit you as you're watching it. But he's so good in the film, and there's so many funny moments. I mean, that when he goes back and forth with that woman who is the counselor with the mole on her face, and he's like, Bud Melanoma, mm-hmm. that's what they call me. 
uh, here's 25 cents. Why don't you go downtown and have a downtown, rat and have all, a rat and all that off your face? <laughs> Great uh, stuff. Yeah. The secretary in my grade school had a big facial really? thing like that. Ooh. Yeah. Hung off the right. So Oof. seeing that roughly, let's see, 1989. Yeah. I still live there. So I still had her as my. Wow. Oh, no, I transferred. I moved schools from third grade to fourth grade in the same town, just went to a different yeah. school. I think she was there first through third, so that wouldn't have been 1989. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. had one of those things. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And you it's saw not bad for her. Yeah. It's, it's a rough situation for sure. Um, it is. But yeah, there's so much. There's so much here. And, and, and it actually, and, and the stuff with Amy Madigan, the stuff with Lori Metcalf, who mm-hmm. is great, you know, trying to seduce Uncle Buck. Uh, but then, of course, as this goes along, when you when things get resolved, it's actually resolved in a way that you believe and is thoroughly enjoyable. Um, and just and that scene with him flipping that massive pancake, I will never forget that until oh, I die, man. The it's 20 questions with Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like this weird dragnet type of scene. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. good, man. So good. Uncle Buck is great. Um, all right. What's your number 12, man? Uh, 12 is glory. Uh, okay. That's in my top. That's number 10 in my top 10. So okay. It's right in that range. There's a lot of good movies that came out in 2000 or 1989. Um, and glory's come up on a, a few different lists, but mm-hmm. so far by and large, most of these movies rarely have ever come up. Yeah. Uh, and it's part of the Morgan Freeman had a hell of a year that year run because there's yeah. another one on top of this. And we already alluded to, uh, or mentioned, uh, Driving Miss Daisy, mm-hmm. which won Best Picture, um, and doesn't make either of our top twenties. True. Hey, Glory, it's about a regiment of uh, black soldiers that were former slaves and now fighting for the Union, and them just trying to get respect from the own the people that they're dying next to. Yeah. And by the end of the movie, they finally get that shared respect. You're out here giving just as much as I am, and you're not lesser than me. Yeah. But it doesn't feel trite. Right. Um, like they they build towards that release and uh, quality performances. You know, Denzel wins best supporting off of this. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Morgan Freeman, Matthew Broderick, uh, Carrie Elwes. Um, he's yeah, tenor, Andre right? Brower. Andre. Yeah, Brower. Andre Brower. Yeah, yeah. Mostly known from TV thereafter. Yes. Yes. Um. But yeah, it's just an interesting story from the uh, the Civil War. And it's yeah. not the big, dramatic, looming historical figures, a la like a Lincoln, what's going on during all of this. Or it doesn't focus on, you know, uh, any of the major generals. Yeah. Uh, it's more of the everyman type of. So it's a much smaller movie. And I appreciate it for that. So it's my number 12. And it's it's a true story. And, and it's something that people should go back and watch at least to get an idea um, and then, you know, do the research on what actually happened with this regiment. And I think it's very well directed by Edward Zwick, who did Last Samurai and a number of other films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he did a nice job. Is it 100% like a great, great film? No, but I think it, it, the reason I have it at number 10 in my top 10 is there's an importance to this film that I think can't be denied. And so it's uh, it, it does that. But, it, it you know... It, do I buy Matthew Broderick the whole time? Uh, I'm kind of in and out on him. I buy Carrie Elwes, but I, for some reason, Matthew Broderick, I'm in and out on as, as this guy who leads this regime. 
so True. overall, Denzel, Morgan Freeman, Andre, those are the guys that really sell the movie and give it its heart and soul. Uh, and that's why you should watch it. And the, it's a very powerful ending, too. Uh, mm-hmm. That will affect you for sure. Um, okay. That was your 12? Correct. Okay. So then my 12 is the pump from earlier, say anything okay. uh, that you talked about. But, dude, I mean, this one's still, still iconic. Still with the radio. Yeah. Uh, this John Cusack doesn't do movies anymore, really, that anybody sees, which is a shame. But this is... John Cusack becoming John Cusack. This is the first step where he steps out of that shit that he was doing in the early 80s, mid-80s, and he is establishing himself as a separate strong actor to lead these films. His chemistry yeah. with Tony Sky is great. And it's a very unusual film in that like the dad is a dick and he has to navigate that the the fact that the girlfriend who he lo- or the girl that he loves and wants to be with her dad is a guy who is like fleecing these elderly people out of their yeah. social security checks. And, you know, he's the one judging John Cusack mm-hmm. as being worthy enough for his daughter. Meanwhile, he's a, he's a fucking criminal. So it's an he's unusual a film. Sorry, go ahead, man. Yeah. I just, he's a hypocrite. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Acting pious and yet, in, you know, much worse. Yeah. You are leeching off of, those that are, have the most trouble defending themselves. So that makes you yeah. just a terrible person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also love the potentially gross point blank is the coda to say anything where he left yes. and goes off and joins and comes back for the high school reunion, all these, those years later. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it was him venturing out. There's, you know, John Cusack is a, a not every actor gets to be Tom Hanks or, or yeah. Yeah, Tom Cruise or Denzel. Not everybody gets to do a list for the entire duration of their, you know, career. Yeah. So he, I guess, more than likely, just picked some a few projects here and there where he was the lead, and they just didn't do near anywhere near expectations. And slowly but surely, the offers for those types of movies started to to dwindle. Yeah, he just. I mean, he was still. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Sorry, go ahead. no. Still, he just finished what. I just finished a TV series last year for Amazon. Oh, called it's good. Is it good? It's good. Okay. All right. It's I interesting. It. By the, I liked it. Like the first couple of episodes. It's okay. 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 I think it gets interesting by the end, but I could understand where someone wouldn't like it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to full throw to defend it. It's right, it's right. interesting and weird. Um, you know, and the people objecting. It seems like a terrible time for this to have come out. Like I, or it's the perfect time, you know? Yeah. I, I need to see that um, Love and Mercy film where he played Brian Wilson. I haven't seen that one. He's good. Yeah. yeah. The movie doesn't have quite the punch that you wanted to, but I don't know if that's yeah. the movie's fault because who connects with Brian Wilson? Right. Right. So <laughs> the dream team. I think the dream team would connect with Brian Wilson. Let's be real. Quite possibly. <laughs> But I'm not so engaged in him as an individual. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and that's, you know, it's him and the relationship with his therapist played by uh, Giamatti, who's excellent. Yeah. Um, and Cusack's good, but I just don't know if you have much of a connection to, anyway. It's, this, a, it's a good movie. This is where he goes on his run here, because you've got Eight Men Out in 1988, Say Anything. Fat Man and Little Boy is great this year as well. I didn't put it on my list, but it's a damn good film. With him. I looked it up. It got officially a release. Yes. But 
I didn't include it. I thought about it. Yeah. But no. Then he does The Grifters, which is like, I think, Annette Benning's kind of first film. It is. It's her first and then uh, Angelica Houston. Right. Then he's um, in The Player. Then he's in Bob Roberts, Bullets Over Broadway, City Hall, which is a great film with him and Pacino about politics. Those Gross Point Blank, Con Air, Anastasia Through the 90s, Thin Red Line, Pushing Tin, Critical Rock, Being John Malkovich, yeah. High Fidelity, Serendipity, I think – you know, might be his last one or runaway jury, I guess in 2003. And then it starts to kind of go off the rails after that overall. But yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a run, dude. Not a lot of people get to be still consistently knocking out some bangers uh, every year or two uh, throughout the eighties and nineties. So yeah, for 14, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. And this film is not bad. The the fact that he's, it's such an unusual thing that the fact that he's like, like a kickboxer and all this and the, Jeremy Piven has a funny ass cameo throughout this thing. And what year was uh oh shit, what is that one? 1400 something or oh, other? 1408. That's 2008. What is it? 2004, 2005, 2007. Wow. 2007. I like that a lot. I think that's excellent. Okay. All right. Oh, Hot Tub Time else. Machine, 2010. There you go. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, Love and Mercy. Um You know, there's some other stuff in here. Yeah, a lot of straight to DVD. Chirac's good. All right. It is. Okay. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's good. Okay. I don't know how if I'm gonna ever rewatch it, but it's good. Okay. I know our Yeah, but it's it's slim pickings after a while. Yeah, it is. Um all right, so that was my twelve. What's your where are we at? Your eleven? My 11 is uh, Lean on Me. Oh, nice choice, man. Had cuts. One of those cuts right at the end there. Uh, so you're saying that's I, 21? Huh? Yeah, maybe 21, 22 for me, probably. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, this and, you know, Glory, but this, yeah. I absolutely, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is awesome. I liked it so much that I watched uh, The Principal and enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, the Jim Belushi one. The right? Jim Belushi. That was good. I like that one. Him and Lewis. Yeah, yeah, but for like a, he's like a blue collar action hero in principle, kind of. Oh, no. You know I mean? This is better than the principle. Lean on me. Yeah, absolutely. But principle is fun to watch. Yeah. But it, it's once again, it's a, the the mental ward, like the Dudley Moore and the uh, version and Dream Team. I like both of those. I like both versions of this with Lean on me. And then here's the action version of him running around with a bat and taking down thugs in fucking Jim Belushi. Uh, but this way, it's a, it's a true story. It's based in New Jersey and it's like a high school that he used to work at. And the teachers all turned on him and mm-hmm. agreed with the school board. And if they kicked him out and they do yeah. what they want. And prophetically, according to the movie, as he's walking out and be like, you know what? I wash my hands of this place. Good luck to you and everything that happens here got to 20 years later and it's the worst school in the entire state. Yeah. And they ask him to come back and lay the fucking hammer down. That's what he does. First thing, boom, drug dealers, all of you adios. Uh, I love that. One of the antagonists is the uh, detective, whatever woman from where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Oh yeah. 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 She plays an antagonist in this. One of the parents that stands up to Joe, uh, Martin uh, Morgan Freeman's character. Joe, I can't remember the last name. Joe, Joe uh, Kelly? Isn't it Joe Kelly? 
Is it Joe Kelly? That doesn't Joe sound Brown. Right. No, it's Joe Brown. Joe Brown. Okay. Yep. yep, Joe Brown. I remember that. He just uh, died, I think, a year or two ago, too. In real life. Oh, did he? Yeah, I think the actual guy. Oh, Joe Clark. Sorry. Joe Clark. There you go. Clark's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Lynn yeah, Thigpen. Sam's? It's Lynn Thigpen, I think, is who you're thinking about. Who's I don't know her name. Yeah, yeah. She was on, you know, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, which yep. I didn't watch. That came out after. Like I was two, I like I aged out by two years when it came out, but I still saw it. Yeah, she's the chief. There you go, the chief. Yeah, this one has she's Robert Guillaume in it. I remember Michael Beach. He's the other tr- uh, teacher who's going up against Joe Kelly and doesn't want to uh, put it, the plans in place and whatever. So yeah, Michael Imperioli in a that, tiny, tiny part. Wow, I didn't know. Yeah, you can only see him a couple of times. But he's one of the delinquent kids that I think comes back and makes good. Who plays the drug dealer? Isn't that that one-word guy from... Who that? I don't know. I'd have to look that up. The one-word actor? But he has all kinds of... Like, he changed the doors even though it's a fire hazard. He's got security, and security's instructed to take him off if the uh, fire marshal shows up because the antagonist lady from Carmen San Diego. Yeah. He's helped leading the charge to get him ousted, even though he's cleaned up the school and kids' test scores are going up and there's less drugs. But they can't see that yet. They just see this guy, you know, bigfooting his way through their little world. <laughs> he fired the black football coach and put in a white guy. Yeah, yeah. Like all these things. Uh, um, just put the small. You can't. There's only there can only be one voice. There's only one captain of this ship. Right. Um. But anyway, yeah, I. Love lean on me. I think it's great. You're a thousand percent my right, man. It's a powerhouse of a performance from Morgan Freeman. It's a it's a character he pro- rarely played ever again. This kind of alpha dog in the situation, pushing, you know, pu- you know, uh, getting on top of things and pushing it forward and mm-hmm. making people like listen to him and being a hard ass. Um, and I remember the sequence with the young girl too, right? I think she's like possibly might be pregnant he's like talking with her about it she's thinking about having sex with this guy and she's like helping her through it i remember that too and all that he did yeah. it's great it's great and people like really celebrate him and you're right uh, what was his name sam's going sam's sam's <laughs> get over here expeditiously sam's i love that he made it a point around the kids to use as many just uh, you know to to try and help increase their lexicon it also makes Right. him sound pompous at times around like other teachers and whatnot, but it's part of the character of who he is. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. He died in uh, last year, man, December 29th. So recently mm-hmm. dude, just three months ago, he died in December 29th of 2020, the real guy. But yeah, man, I remember liking this movie a lot. This is why it was in contention to be in my top 20 in the end. I just cut it, but maybe, maybe I changed my mind. Maybe I move it back onto the list in my mind at some point down who the road. Knows? But- but it's a damn good movie. I don't disagree with you. Um, all right. So then my number 11 is The Abyss, uh, the James Cameron film. Mm. Not Okay. All right. I love this movie, man. Absolutely love this movie. Yeah. That's why it makes my top 10. Oh, it's in your top 10. Oh, wow. Respect. All right. Uh, it was a late, late move down. But I, in the end, I was like, this is so great. But that ending, I kind of have to dig it for that schmaltzy ending. Uh, which really drives me insane. Everything up to that ending is so fucking good. And then that ending, and I was like, ugh, what is this? Even in the extended director's cut, 
it works better, but it's still fucking cheesy of like, we can all figure it out in Kumbaya land. And, yeah. Uh, come on. Universal Galactic Ubuntu. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind. I don't ding it for that because the rest yeah. of it is so utterly amazing to me and it still it is. is. It is. You're right. So that's why it makes it up. That yeah. When uh, Master Antonio dies and oh. Anna Harris is trying to give her CPR, even as a kid, that hit me. Yep. Yep. Um, so I yeah, cry. when it goes aliens at the at the end, it, yeah. I was I did not care. I still don't care. Uh, I cried when she died because uh, no. Ed Harris' performance is Stellar. so powerful. His scream, dude, is still one of the greatest screams I've ever heard. When someone dies on screen for uh, the significant other, well, it's so brilliant, man. But it's the same, like the one of the themes is you know love will prevail. He gets saved earlier when he puts his hand in that door, yeah, the automatic closing door, and his wedding ring saves him. Love will yep. save you, and he yep. saves his wife. And they're, uh, hey, I don't. Know. And, and Mary Elizabeth d- delivers just as good later on when he's you know typing and he's dying, and she's like, yeah. you know, don't don't leave me, bud. You brought me back, and all of that. So yeah, and, it's uh, one of know. my favorite performances of hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, a damn good actress too. So yeah, that's saying something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's my eleven. So James Cameron, fantastic stuff with the abyss. Um, all right, are we putting this list together, or are we just kind of moving into our top tens and then just kind of rolling on out of What do you think? I haven't listed my one through ten on the top ten. Oh, okay, all right, fair. Because we that wasn't this show. True, uh, true, true. I can tell you what they are, but I'll just read it alphabetically. That's fine. Do you want to just do that instead of combining our lists, or do you want to sure. combine our lists? Sure. Right. Why not? There we go. Why we, not? Won't, we won't combine a list today, but uh, this is a u- unusual way to do the top 10 show. Go ahead, man. What do you got? All right. I got The Abyss. Okay. Batman. Do the Right Thing. Mm-hmm. Field of Dreams. Uh, Indy's Last Crusade. Lethal Weapon 2. Major League. Christmas Vacation. When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> and I would bump down my left foot. To, in place of oh, okay. put uh, Uncle Buck somewhere fair, in that mix. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right, for me, I've got Do the Right Thing at number one, When Harry Met Sally at number two, Feel the Dreams at number three, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade at number four, Henry V at number five, the Kenneth Branagh mm-hmm. film, uh, Lethal Weapon 2 at six, Major League at seven, Batman at eight, Bill and Ted's at nine, and ten is Glory. So I've never seen yeah. my left foot, so maybe it would have made my list uh, when I ever get around to watching it. Sorry, go ahead, man. What? Well, it's. I think it's one of the f- first times, if not the first time, where you're like, "Who the fuck?" I mean, Day Lewis, I've seen him, but yeah, this guy is good. Uh, I don't know how often I'll go back. I've seen, it, I think, twice. Yeah, um, and I know what the story is. I, I don't know that I need to go back and see it again. It's kind of like uh, uh, a Beautiful Mind, although I would watch that more often, or The Theory of Everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever see that again. It was good. Right. Do I think Redmayne deserved an Oscar? No. No, um, fuck no. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but so that's why we didn't do our top tens is because yeah, I think we had eight of the same. And yeah, we've talked about all those movies a bunch of times. Yeah. So hopefully if you've never seen the Dream Team or the experts uh, from my list, go see those. They're, it's quality. It's a lot of fun. Although yeah. it could be the charm of when I saw it and then having owned it, say for the Dream Team, but I don't give a shit. Yeah, this is like this is like the last gasp 
of some of these 80s people. Like Tony Danza led a film in 1989. So it's really interesting. I'm pretty sure he was already gasping for air. <laughs> His oxygen level is television. And then yeah. getting above that, it's it thins out pretty quick for him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't put the for some some of you that are foreign film fans. I didn't put the killer on my list. John Woo's the killer that did come out in 1989, but I just kind of wanted to keep it to stuff that was uh, released here domestically. Uh, so that's why I didn't put it on the list. But I would love to do this. Uh, Drew N says this was an awesome show. You all should do this format again. Yeah, definitely. Might be fun to explore. Yeah. Gives people, I think, a, somebody said it earlier in the chat, Matt. They it says. Now we're getting Roka Nost's real film tastes when you go from 20 to 11. I think that's a feel. I think that's a fair uh, assessment. Um, I, I'd be curious to see, to get this out of, because childhood nostalgia influenced a lot of these choices. Oh, yeah. So if we do this and say uh, 2012 or something, oh, yeah. 2013, then then it's a, now that I've seen so many more movies, right. what do I actually go out and watch and rewatch or that from the recent history? Cause I think that, but his comments not far off. I think it is a good indicator of our taste, yeah. 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 but I do think the nostalgia influences quite a bit of my list. Ditto. Same. Absolutely. So you make an excellent point. Once we go to a later year, that'll really give you guys a, a better idea of our tastes as adults. Yeah. You know? Nostalgia doesn't have as big an effect because I don't know. You've lived much more life at that point. True. True. Very true. Uh, all right. Um, all right. That's it from us. Uh, thank you all so much for watching this episode of the Top Ten Show. Matt, what do we have to tell them overall? Uh, to everybody that joined us in the chat, um, yeah, I, I was reading along every once again over mm-hmm. on the side. So thank you to, to everybody. Um, and that supports us over at patreon.com forward slash the top ten. Um, to everybody that supports us over there, we can't thank you enough. And if you're a boss hogger, check your email. You got that about uh, this month's uh, uh, topic stuff. Um, I think that's it for the, you can follow the show over at Instagram and at uh, the top 10 podcast with the number 10. And it's the same thing for youtube.com forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, please follow me at Matt Nost. Check out uh, my other show, Settle the Score, or if you're into the NBA, Dropping Dimes. And I think that's it for me. There you go. You can follow me at The Roka Says on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to come on over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roka Says. See all the stuff we got going on there. Please listen to my other podcast, The Geek Buddies, uh, The Cinephiles as well that's uh, happening. And I've got a new show launching very soon on the Outlaw Nation channel, which I'm looking forward to with my co-host, Wendy Lee. So uh, we'll be announcing that probably the week you get to listen to this for the re- for everyone else. So, uh, all right. Thanks everybody for watching or listening to us. We appreciate it madly. We'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of the Top Ten Show. <laughs>